0: Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the All of Life show. I am your host, Stuart White. My lovely wife, Alicia, is not here with me today, but if she was, she would say, Alicia White, and then we would banter back and forth, and it would be adorable. But today, I have a very special guest with me. His name is Robert Hershey, and today on this episode, we're going to talk to you about the heart for community, the heart uh, of community, and why community is important to the Christian life. So, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, Happy to be here. Tell us a little bit, first of all, about yourself. What is your background? How did you come to be at the Fellowship at Bend? And
1: uh, what led to this place? That's a great story. And uh, I'll try to do the best I can to keep it short and sweet. Um, But yeah, we have Arrived here in Bend in uh, the summer of 2018. And uh, me and my wife moved from Bozeman, Montana, uh, which is where we, we met and lived uh, for about four years. And um, I originally traveled out there. I was born and raised in Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia on a dairy farm. And when I traveled out West, it was to take a break. I realized that I didn't feel called or led to take over the family business. And by my parents' advice, they recommended taking a uh, gap year, taking a year off, just to kind of gather my senses. And uh, ironically enough, when I traveled to Montana, um, that is where I became a Christian. And one of the first things that became apparent was I was not to be a dairy farmer. (laughs) So I knew where to not start in my journey. And uh, the Lord led me to uh, Bozeman, Montana, where I attended Montana Bible College And, um, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in biblical studies, uh, aspiring to, towards ministry and, uh, yeah, the Lord that has led us here to, to bend. Uh,
0: And how long have you guys been in Bend? Uh, just over two years. Awesome. Awesome. I, I remember, uh, roughly right about the time you guys showed up and, uh, some mutual friends of ours going, Oh yeah. Have you met? Robert yet, and I was like, no, I haven't, haven't really met him yet. And then, oh, they're like, oh, you're gonna love this guy. So, and and I would agree, yes, that that has been the case. So, recently, you took on the community group leadership, uh, and there's kind of a a broader cloth uh, covering several little areas of ministry within and around that. And what what was it that you said um, the working
1: title is right now for for that? Uh, Right now, uh, we have settled on Director of Discipleship uh, for a number of reasons, and um, mainly which we are, uh, TFAB is a growing church. Uh, uh, We just want to grow healthy, and we want to make sure our leaders and our volunteers are taken care of, as well as everyone that attends. And uh, that is a large reason why we want to focus and invest so much in our community group ministry. The fellowship has always been a church that prioritizes um, home gatherings and those forms of invitations and fellowships. And uh, they just want to make sure that as we grow, we can train our leaders, we can add more leaders, and we can add more families to our church to be a part of.
0: That is awesome. I love that because I love the emphasis on not just community groups because I know that that can often devolve into more just like hang out and get together, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all you're doing, then... It kind of just becomes hanging out. I love the emphasis on discipleship. First of all, because that is what we are called to do, make disciples. I love that it goes together. It goes hand in hand with community group. I, I know that the typical emphasis can also be on, like it's all just the church's job to do all the discipleship. The the pastor and who, whoever else is on staff, that's, that's their role. Uh, but from the sound of it, it sounds like you guys are gearing it more toward getting everyone within the community groups, the leadership involved in seeing themselves as disciple makers. Is that right?
1: That's absolutely correct. And I would say that's a large part of the heart that I want to bring in the direction is uh, is um, helping us realize that uh, the call of discipleship is a call for everyone. And that discipleship is also not just limited to a, maybe a one-to-one mentorship that might be a classical example or even like a specific counseling class that's geared towards like an intensive um, uh, experience in that way. But discipleship is, as your podcast leads into, it's an all of life. Mm-hmm. Being a Christian is, is a... Well done. Is connect- Good job adding that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk later <laughs> about, yeah. the, about what that's worth. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, the Christian life is, uh, is to involve so many things. And discipleship is a part of that. And the discipleship, the goal is to be more like Christ. And uh, we want to strengthen that this isn't just a individual calling, that it's not just about you growing individually on your own. It's about uh, how as a journey in a community, we can grow better into the image of Christ if we do it together.
0: So let's get into this. Um, What specifically does scripture have to say about community? Like what sort of emphasis does it place on being in community?
1: To that, we turn to Genesis 1. And I just love starting right there. And uh, in the beginning, uh, as God was creating our world and our our universes, as we see it, um, it says, God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And then it continues and further elaborates in chapter two. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. From the very beginning, God created humans that were in need of community. It is not good for us to be alone and we are created as relational beings, which coincidentally uh, happens when we are created by our image uh, bearer who loves relationships, who loves um, uh, community uh, with himself, but also with his people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He is a triune God. He's three in one. He's in, he's the perfect community in fact. And if we are image bearers of him, then that community is going to play itself out in the way our, our lives should be. So let's, let's continue on with that. So God creates man and he recognizes it. It's not good for him to be alone. Where do we leave off there?
1: Well, there was uh, for an extended amount of time, there was a good relationship. And man and woman broke that relationship by trusting in a lie, by trusting in something that they believed could be true, desiring that over what was consistent and what was known to them through God. And as God cast them out into the wilderness, um, he left them as a curse and a blessing. He had told them that they were to work, that these were the toils that they were going to face, that they were eventually going to die, which Adam and Eve eventually did. But what God also did was that he was going to promise that even though in the midst of that, he was going to be with them and that he was going to extend that promise by uh, showing throughout the history of the story that we see through scripture all the way into modern day that he will continue to live with his people that he will continue to desire a relationship that is redeeming that is restoring and then in a way it is a picture that is drawing back to the original intention of how he created Adam and Eve what is kind of the big idea
0: of community is there a difference in communities is there some emphasis on a difference of Christian community versus just sort of a generic community i
1: would expect that the that the big idea of community is one of friendship, kindness, and generosity. Typically, how we interact with one another, how we view one another, and how we respect people that are different than us, all amounts to the type of community we want to live in and the type that we want others to, we want to invite others to live in with. And so that, that would be a very generic, kind of like a broad understanding of community. And then for, for the Christian, um, what that gives is that we are then, Uh, called to then enter into other communities. We are then called to enter into the community that we are then placed under, but also to do as Jesus did, which was invite himself into other people's lives in order to be a redemptive blessing to them.
0: It can be so simple to just stop there and say, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And now we live in this perfect little bubble of community. Like I went to Bible college and and everybody emphasized, uh, this is the, uh, the bubble, you know, you, you, and you, it's true. You're there and you're surrounded by all these people who seemingly love Jesus and, and you don't leave. And it, something seems like it's missing. And it is what you just said. It is going out into other communities, putting yourself into and in, injecting yourself into the world, essentially, like Christ did. Uh, if we are to be growing and becoming like Christ, that that's critical to everything that we do, but that's a part, I think a huge part that is missing in modern day Christianity because it's becoming that it's all about me kind of culture.
1: Absolutely. We have so many different spheres of influence in our life. We have our own independent family unit. We have our workplace. We have our friends. Uh, we have, and then even like our Sunday, our Sunday gathering community, our smaller home groups, our other friends, uh, et etc. I would suggest that that we can be getting community from all of those places. And uh, I I resonate with your example of like, you know, the the classic Christian culture of community where we have, we have our collective group and we strive for, for good and holy things, but, but we do kind of fortress up in a way and kind of inadvertently exclude uh, the world and our involvement with it. And if, and Yeah, if if I may even go on a limb limb here and suggest that a Christian isn't only to have that one circle of community to call home, but instead to be making all of their circles Christian. And if a person wants to just get community, that tells me that they only want to be a recipient of community. But the world already can live that way, and the world already does live that way. But a person who wants to give community, specifically giving Jesus, that's a Christian that's on mission, so to speak.
0: It is a tempting thing. Going to church, working at a church, you encounter people often who will be like, well, I tried it and I it just, nobody said hi to me. No, it, they, they had their checklist of things that they were essentially expecting service like as if they walked into a restaurant, you know. I want the water at this point. I want it right here. I want this many ice cubes. I, I want my coffee not too hot, not too cold. That's kind of the mentality. They have this like fast food mentality of, I'm here. I want it now. I want my service. I'm paying for this. And, and most of the time they're not, but they, it's, it's twisted and it it shows that we have our eyes in the wrong place. Like we are failing to grasp and apply the gospel to that area of our lives. And uh, yeah, it's tragic, you know, it really is. And you, it's not just tragic because, Hey, that's a bad thing to do. It's tragic because they're missing out. They're really missing out on what God has for them in being in community and relationship and serving, not just going to be served, when Jesus bends down and he washes his disciples' feet. And, you know, there's a a big trend of foot washing and things now, and it's great if that's what you want to do, but it's not quite the emphasis there. Like, it was a cultural thing, that it was the lowest job, the lowest serving form that you could do because they're walking around in sandals in dirt and animals going to the bathroom on the ground. And this is, this is the lowest job you can have. And Jesus takes that role and he serves. And then he says, do you get what I've done for you? And he goes, I have served you and the servant is not greater than the master. Like If, if you call me master, you're not going to be doing anything above what I'm doing. And putting that emphasis there, but we in Christianity, I think, have, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking as the universal whole of Christianity, but there's been such a misplaced emphasis on it's more like uh, pop psychology or uh, whatever the thing is that is the popular thing that people are, you know, dealing with in the moment. Usually it's some self-esteem based thing. Well, that tends to be very much about your own self and it becomes a spiral of inward focus and you don't serve a a lot of times. I think that the problems that you're dealing with in that people come in and say, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling in my relationship or I'm, I'm dealing with these emotional issues. I'm not saying this is the only thing, but often it's like, when, when did you last serve? When did, when, like, were you in community? Were you functioning in a body of believers, both giving and receiving uh, grace with each other? And you'll find out. Oh, I don't. I just sit here and expect it <laughs> from everybody else. And like, ding, ding, ding. There's, there's a bell going off here. There's something about the way you're living where you've got it all backwards. You're, you're not living in the truth.
1: Absolutely. And I, and uh, thank you for bringing up foot washing. I did grow up in uh, as a dairy farmer. <laughs> yes. As a Mennonite. You get this all too well. Uh, yes. Um, uh, as foot washing was a part of the practice that we would do. That was alongside communion. And, uh, it is, it is one of those things that I actually do miss every now and then. <laughs> and, um, I think what's what's also unique too, is when, when, as it's recorded in John, um, as Jesus is washing his feet, he's telling them he's, he specifically tells them, it's like, you know, do this to one another. Mm-hmm. And then he, when he d- goes, when he breaks the bread and, uh, passes the cup, he, says, "Do this in remembrance of me." And um, he gave them a he gave them something to remember him by in remembrance and the receiving of the communion. But then uh, he also gave them something to remember him by by living as he did and by serving one another as as he did in the washing of the feet and in that humility and in that service. And um, it's always struck me that he washed uh, his betrayer's feet before before Jesus Ascarius yeah. left. He washed his feet.
0: Talk about the ultimate service to the undeserving, you know, and that's the example we had set for us, you know, loving our enemies, even those who betray us. If we were to break off of that and say, what makes a community Christian and can can a Christian just go and can they get their community from anywhere? Like if I'm just going to go say, well, you know, I don't like church. I don't like churchy things, uh, but I do enjoy rock climbing with the boys or something, I do enjoy hanging at the bar, uh, what whatever the place may be the popular thing. Where might that fall apart?
1: Probably it's going to fall apart where what your expectations are on what you're going to give and what you're going to receive from communities. Uh, you you can obviously find, you know, your rock climbing community with uh, anybody. And um, that's in that in itself, that's a really awesome thing because as human beings, we crave community. We crave relationships we crave to be relatable and likable and to have friendship and that's a that's a god-given thing and um, that is something to be celebrated that is something that we can use to to be connected with one another better And, and in a way like you know without knowing like what makes something Christian not, or unchristian in the community, it probably just falls down a line on what your motivation is, what your desire is and how you reflect, the personality of Christ through it. Um, if you have that that sort of identity where you don't feel comfortable like with, the tr- with a traditional Christian model of, of what you think community groups are, and you want to find that in recreation, as a lot of people do here uh, in the town that we live in, you can still make those communities Christian, but mostly by the motivation that you bring in, by the heart of Jesus that you bring in, and your intention of the relationship. In those friendships.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. That's so important that that we're emphasizing the difference of the two but not that one is bad and one is good. Um I I personally I've been trying to be quick to catch false dichotomies. You know, people putting forth, well, here are the only two possible answers, so which one is it? And you're like, uh no. Like I see it in, in scripture all the time. You see God go Uh, neither. (laughs) It's like, but no, that's not the right answer. It has to be my team or this team or this thing and that thing. Um, and we can say, oh, well, you know what? You need to give up all of your things and just be in Christian community. That's the way to go. Right. But, But that would go against what we spoke of earlier and that we need to be going out into the world, into the other communities. So your rock climbing group, hanging with the boys, that sort of thing, that should be something that is good and enjoyable and you you glorify God in it, right? But also it's your opportunity to be in the world and to be bringing community and to be bringing people into the deepest community of the relationship with Jesus Christ and to be, you know, ministering to them and preaching the gospel to them. So here's another one. What are the marks of a solid Christian community, a good, healthy community and uh, what would then be the consequences of neglecting something like that?
1: I have a few marks that I um, would suggest, um, and I don't view this as like a uh, a very specific or nailed down. These are these are six examples that I've six marks that I've seen that I would say could deeply impact what would make a community group a community Christian. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the f- things that we see a lot with with uh, how Christians are are to relate and live with one another is how I like to call it, talk about table fellowship, and that's normally as as we gather together around a table, it's to symbolize and to emulate how we do as a family unit. And when you gather around a table, you know we do kind of sit around, we sit as equals. There's there's um, we kind of portray and we put all of our things on the table and we all share with what we bring. And that's obviously that's more than just with food and just sharing a mealtime. Uh, Christians are to live in that sort of way, knowing that all good things are given to them from God. They don't actually own or possess anything that they have, and that and really it's to meant to also share and be a blessing to those around them. The next one would be prayer, pretty undeniable. Uh, prayer being a a part of how we draw close in our relationship. Uh, in our community with, with God, with our creator, with Jesus Christ, it's through prayer. And we see that through scripture. We see that through the re- relationship that Jesus even has uh, with God the Father through prayer. Um, so it's, uh, so doing that as Together as a community is extremely important and it's extremely powerful because it's an opportunity to share burdens and celebrations uh, with one united voice um, as a group calling together God. The other mark would probably be exhortation or encouragement. As we all know, that life is stressful and it's messy and it's really discouraging. But when we are when we receive encouragement, when we receive that lifting of a burden from from someone that know that we know that loves us, that we trust our friendship with them, um, that is a that is a power and that is a relationship that um, can can truly be found through the Christian walk, through Christians living together in community. Another significant mark, I would say, would be reconciliation. And this is the way of how, um, because life is messy, stressful, and discouraging, we sin to one another, and we are sinned against. And the power of the gospel, the power of being in Christ and being in Jesus is that we can extend forgiveness as forgiveness has been extended to us. And that is a responsibility we are to have as believers, as Christians, to, to emulate the heart of God, which is to forgive, which is to, um, to be gracious to one another. And, uh, being reminded, uh, today from, from, uh, Romans 5, 520, where it talks about where, where sin abounds, grace will abound all the more and, um, I was thinking of that verse actually today of how powerful that is for the Christian because when we are sinned against, we have the ability to overcome that sin with grace. And that is something we are to, we, we get to partake in. And it's a very difficult thing. But um, the blessing that can be received uh, through extending that to, to other human beings to ourselves, to our family units, to our spouses, to our close friends, uh, is a incredibly Christ-like image. Um, the next, another mark I would say would be invitation, and this is specifically observing how Jesus invited Himself and others into experiencing life with Him. He did not just uh, live life with those that wanted to follow Him. He went to the Samaritan woman at the well. He approached Zacchaeus, the wicked, greedy tax collector, tax collector that was stealing money from his own people, and said, "Today I'm going to eat in your house." He appro he approached himself. He he took himself into other people's lives, and that is an amazing thing. And I think that if we can uh, learn to practice that model of how we invite in a way we're inviting ourselves to extend grace into other people's life. could be a really powerful thing. And then the last mark um, is a classic, just Jesus, just simply Jesus. By emulating his personality, his traits, and everything that we do uh, is, for, is for and about him, and it's not for and about us.
0: To the second half of that, what would be the consequences or the effects of somebody who is neglecting all or some of these elements of community. And like you said, it's not, you weren't giving this exhaustive list, but these are things that in your estimation are some of the most important. Uh, So what would be the consequences?
1: Loneliness and isolation. And um, that doesn't have to mean uh, physical loneliness where you are actually alone. I think that can just be spiritual loneliness. That can be mental uh, loneliness, Um, just being not a part of, Uh, community, to the the extent the community God wants you to be in. And this is really difficult for the person that wants to just, as we were talking about, just get community. It takes a lot of effort to be in another person's life. We are also busy with our vocations, our family time, our stay-in-house time, our quarantine time. It can feel invasive, almost, to live in community with others. I suggest that when a person neglects community, they're not doing it because they don't feel like they want community, they're not doing it because it's a lot of work and no one willingly actually wants to be alone, but living in community, again, it's hard work. It's emotionally draining. There has to be trust that it has to be established, uh, with one another. But however, it is not fit for man or woman to be alone. So God created community. God created people to live together. And I think if we view God's creation of humanity through the lens of him creating community, or one another, we can appreciate that just being close with other human beings. Married or not, similar interests or not, uh, this is the biblical answer with living with one another in community.
0: Springboarding from that, you see this in the world. I will say in someone who is an unbeliever, they have not put their faith in Jesus Christ. There's something still within us that instinctively craves community and relationship. I mean, I think when you see people, they're like every free weekend that they have, they're out at the bars or they're, maybe that's not their thing, but maybe they're out rock climbing or, you know, Central Oregon here, we've got 101 ways to injure yourself doing various outdoor activities and it's great, but we tend to pursue those things and in, in and of themselves, like we said, they're not bad, but they can often be not enough. And I believe we have a generation of people, and this is true of every generation really, but. Right now, people are crying out for community.
1: I think community can oftentimes probably be really intimidating, even with the discussion that we're having, because a lot of it's coming down with a with kind of like our own experiences, and everyone listening in is going to be triggered with, with what they think of community and even like Christian community. And you're going to think of like, you know, weekly house groups. They're going to think of, you know, like certain methodologies and like structure. And if we can just simplify... The message of how of living t- together in community, it would be one through friendship, seeking friendship with one another and seeking friendship with the world and especially with those who do not yet know Jesus. I was really inspired with um, with a book that I read. In fact, may just do a plug uh, just because it was just so amazing. Really short read, and it was written by author John M. Perkins. He calls me friend, and he just does a really just a simple and a heartfelt overview of God loving us as friends and how the friendship that God sh- has shown us that we can extend that friendship to the world and to those around us and to see friendship as something that is missional, seeing friendship that is something that is intentional, and uh, and that is God designed, something that is a way for us to be able to connect with one another and it doesn't have, we, and it's for introverts and extroverts. You know, there's not this big uh, methodology. There's not this, you know, you have to find your 12 uh, disciple system. It's a matter of being a good Christian friend, being that Christian friend that forgives, being that Christian friend that asks for forgiveness, being that Christian friend that, that seeks community, that seeks uh, showing the love of Jesus to, to those around them, in their family unit, uh, with their friends, and then also desiring, as Jesus did, to be friends with the world, to find people that don't know Him and don't live and talk like Him, to desire to be His their friend.
0: So I've heard people say, though, we're not to be friends with the world, right? Aren't, aren't we supposed to have this
1: separation? Is that what? Isn't that the emphasis of Scripture? Now you're just making fun of my Mennonite background. <laughs> no. Um,
0: we do need to dig into that sometime, though, because I'm sure people heard you mention that earlier, and they're like, wait,
1: wait, 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 what? That's going to be a bonus segment. Yeah. I don't know how publicized I'm willing to make that yet. <laughs> okay. No. It is a careful thing to of how we involve ourselves with the world. And um, as, as anyone can do, you can find... Uh, you know, a single sentence in the Bible, you can find a singular um, a mention that maybe suggests that we separate ourselves, that we strive towards holiness, that we strive towards our community. And um, there might be a lot of truth in a lot of those examples. Um, but the best one is, uh, was found in uh, John 17 when Jesus is in the garden by himself, but praying with the Father. And he's, t- and he's asking the Father uh, for those that he loves, to keep them, um, to keep them in the world, but not let them be of the world. This yeah. My this is my paraphrase, um, but that is just that is the call of a Christian, and I think the moment we uh, begin to build our walls, the moment we begin to build our towers, the moment we begin to build our moats to of uh, self protection of. Um, keeping ourselves away from the world. Um, I just go back to uh, the picture that we have in Scripture of Romans 5.20. Where sin abounds, grace abounds. And I believe we need to be putting ourselves in opportunities to be able to uh, show how grace can abound over sin. And uh, that's not a personal commission for our our self-growth as a Christian that defeats our, our moral sin, even though that is definitely the case and that applies but I believe that um, we need to be entering the world and we need to be showing how the grace of Jesus will overcome the sins even of the world.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, and it, it, it's true. Like, you can tell people uh, are grasping the gospel when they recognize we are both in the world, but not of the world, but we are friends. Like, you're saying we are to go in, just like Christ, going in and doing the work, uh, that the Lord has given us to to preach the gospel, to make disciples. You couldn't do that. Like, who would you be preaching to if you were only called to go to the people who allegedly are already Christians, right? That doesn't, it's not how it works. This is something I love about our church, the fellowship at Bend. If you're in Bend, come check it out. But I love that we place an emphasis on community and it's gospel-centered community. We place an emphasis on discipleship and it's gospel-driven, spirit-led discipleship what would people do if they came into community and this guy has a different political view i'm this guy's far to the left and this guy's far to the right is there reconciliation do we split those up we have the i'm all on the left side community group and i'm all on the right side community group is that how it works what would be your advice in that
1: if that was the case then we would not have the new testament written i say that specifically because in the movement of jesus after he died on the cross for our sins after he was resurrected from the dead. And as after he ascended into heaven, he promised that his spirit would be sent forth. And, um, and his last commission was to go preach the gospel, teaching everything that he commanded them. What his followers probably didn't expect was the massive amount of Gentile believers. And all of a sudden within a moment, they had, Um, they had Scythians, they had Greeks, they had uh, even uh, Samaritans, they had Romans, they had so many people groups. All of a sudden, they found themselves in mixed diversity. And these diversities weren't just uh, ethnic backgrounds. These diversities carried uh, political views. These, uh, These differences carried uh, different perspectives of how to live life what is you know even the basic things of, of what the day-to-day looks like um, every group was bringing in baggage from their uh, their pagan religious backgrounds and so all of a sudden you ha- you see this movement that was living in tension and it was intention because there are so many different people from so many different backgrounds and what the grace of what the grace of Jesus does is that, it is in that definition is that we then can then become gracious to one another in the midst of different life stages or different political stances. I was thinking of, uh, been remembering in the sermon on the Mount when Jesus was talking about, uh, you know, the, you know, how can you, uh, pick out the speck in your brother's eye when there's a log in your own. I used to, only think of that so individualistic I used to only think about it was like oh that, that's me you know just being whatever but then if you flip that perspective to where you're the one coming to that brother with the speck and you're saying I got a log in my eye and I know it mm-hmm. and if we can approach one another with that level of humility where in the midst of uh, with differences, in the midst of differing convictions, if there's the foundation of Jesus, then as long as there's that realm of possibility that I might be wrong in my perspective, then there should be room for for unity in in that way. Unity can exist through the community of Christ, not because everyone agrees with one another, but because everyone is gracious to one another, and In fact, that is precisely the way God wants his community to live.
0: That is super helpful because to think of, even right now, you know, we have a polarized country, we have elections, we have arguments about what is going on, and we need community more than ever right now. People in the church need to recognize that whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or a Communist or a Socialist, you need Jesus that's the thing we all need to unite behind like and and if that wasn't clear throughout this whole episode that we're talking about unity really truly in Jesus Christ in the gospel you know it's as it says there's neither slave nor free Jew nor Greek we're all one in Christ we all need to as you said humbly come before God and come before each other and say i'm i'm a sinner i'm broken it doesn't matter if i have all the right political ideas, or I can quote scripture, or I live a really good moral and ethical life, I'm going to hell apart from Jesus Christ regenerating me, saving me, putting me in the seat of righteousness and uh, doing it all for his glory and and joy just because he chose to love. If we can't get behind that, and if we forget that that's where we came from, then we're going to not have any community. If you guys are listening to this episode and you're going, yeah, but I, my situation is different, I assure you, no matter what you think it is, it is not too big for the gospel of Jesus Christ to handle. Our encouragement would be to submit yourself to the Lord, repent, and seek unity in community, first with Christ and then with each other with those around you. And if you have somebody that you're holding something against, if you have a relationship that is damaged, repent. You know what you can do? You can do what Robert just described. You can go, maybe I'm the guy with the log in his eye. Hold on. Let me just take a step back. Maybe maybe I should go ask, do I have a log in my eye? And be willing to hear, yeah, you, you kind of do. If you're listening to this and you are thinking... I need more on community. What, what would be some resources, Robert? Do you have anything that you say, this is a really good book or this has been a really good podcast, or this has been a, something really helpful to me.
1: Uh, one of my, well, I already mentioned one. I will, I will share it again. Uh, he calls me a friend, my John N. Perkins, a very, very concise, very, um, very readable, incredibly inspirational. And, um, mm-hmm. I'll just say, go look up, look it up and read it. And, uh, I, I hope that you'll become inspired to to be a friend to the world. Um, the other book that has been um, incredibly uh, impactful that I've almost worn the binds off is a short read, um, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer.
0: I'm so glad you just said that.
1: <laughs> the The life that he lived in tension, where he he could have chosen to live a life of ease, he could have chosen to live a life of comfort, and knowing everything that was going on in his time, in the... In, in uh, um, uh, pre-World War II uh, Nazi Germany, uh, still choosing to travel back, still choosing to go to a place where he knew he would not have religious freedom, where he knew he, he could be persecuted even though he was a um, natural-born German. He chose to plant a church. He chose to have a seminary. He chose to do the work that he did there. This was his last, the last thing he wrote uh, in prison before before he was executed. And so his uh, graciousness in how we are to live together uh, comes through this book because of the context that he lives in. And I am always inspired by, by his example in that.
0: Yeah, I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And if you guys are listening, uh, there's some great uh, biographies out there about him. There's other resources, other books and things, sermons he's written. But life together, it it is one of those. It's convicting, it's heartbreaking, it's inspiring. Everything within it is. It's challenging. Uh, I listened to the audiobook version of it not too long ago, and just remember thinking, to your point, this guy is existing in Germany in the middle of the Nazi, you know, uh, rule, and he is finding joy. He's in fact, he's in community. He's in relationship with people. And he didn't say, "Well, hey, it's no longer useful. It's no longer like it's too hard to do right now. So let's just not do it." He he's like, "No, find a way. Like you need it. You need it now more than ever." <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's a that's an amazing one. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. We uh, just appreciate all of the time that you put in listening to the show. We hope that you are enjoying uh, these episodes. And as we get more guests and we have more topics. We want to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts, what you like, what you hate, uh, and hopefully you love Jesus. So you can reach us at feedback at alloflifeshow.com. And you can also go to alloflifeshow.com, which is our website. Same thing Facebook.com slash All of Life Show and Twitter at All of Life Show. Let us know what you think. We look forward to meeting with you next time here on the all of life show where we seek to bring the gospel to every area of life